Well, good morning. Man, it is great to see you. It's great to see Mary Beth on stage. Uh, she works with our kids and our children's ministry, doing a phenomenal job. And I had a chance on Thursday, they had graduation from the preschool, and the parents and the grandparents are there. Man, they were just out of control. The kids were in control. The parents and grandparents were the cameras and the pictures. But what a great, great graduation it was. So we really appreciate and value her so much. Well, I'm grateful as well that you've uh, chosen to take time to be with us and worship with us on this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to be uh, remembering the men and women who died while serving this great country of ours. And I hope you really will spend some time thanking God and um, thanking God for those who paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom because freedom isn't free, right? It costs something. It costs a lot, and uh, it isn't free. And I hope you really spend some time thanking God in that. And um, God gave us a great gift when he gave us his son, and he died so we could be free. Freedom isn't free. And I hope you really will spend some time on Memorial Day thanking God for this country, thanking God for the ultimate sacrifice people have paid for our great freedoms. Can we do that? I hope you really will do that. Well, I'd like to begin this morning with a quiz. Now, don't get nervous. Don't freak out. This is not a pass-fail. You won't get kicked out of church, okay? So, you know, people don't like quizzes, but I I really think this will help put what we're talking about today in perspective. And so if you grab that message outline, there's four questions there, and I'd like you to answer yes or no and to circle your answer, all right? So if you got your message outline there, let's look at question number one. When it comes to your job, do you ever use the weekends? Do you ever use Sunday, your day off, whatever that day might be, if you have to work a different work schedule, to catch up on unfinished work? Yes or no? All right, you circle that. How many of you put yes? I got a lot of honest people here this morning. Good, very good. I'm not saying those that didn't raise your hand are dishonest. No, no, let's, let's be clear on that. Okay. Number two, uh, do you ever feel as tired on Monday morning as you do on Friday afternoon after working all week? Do you ever feel as tired going to work on Monday morning as you did on Friday when you went home? Yes or no? All right, number three, has anybody ever accused you of being a workaholic? I see many spouses circling it for their spouse. Yes or no? Number four, when you do relax, do you ever feel just a little bit guilty because you ought to be doing something else? Yes? Or no? Now, if you answered yes to two or more of these, you very much could be a prime candidate for burnout. How many of you answered yes for two or more of these? Probably almost all of us. We live in a very stressful time, you know? And burnout really is a kind of a strange phenomenon going across this country this day. It's really relatively new. It's a newer term. It kind of started back in the 80s. When greed was good and greed was in and everybody wanted more and more and more to be happy and we began as a culture to look to things to complete us and to fulfill us 
And people started working longer and longer hours. I found this very interesting. In the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, they conducted a study of people's work patterns. And they found out that most Americans did not want a shorter work week. Nearly two-thirds of those questioned wanted no change except possibly longer hours. The average American now works about 50-hour or 50-hour work week. And another study showed that your average MBA graduate is now working 80 hours a week. The average MBA graduate. That's seven days a week, 12 hours a day. Because there's always somebody that's going to work harder than you. And you get stuck, you know, and, and trying to keep your job, trying to get ahead. And so we work, we work, we work. And if you think that's crazy, listen to this next story. True story. Heard about a man who lengthened his work day to 16 hours a day. His name is Robert Hyland, VP, general manager of a radio station in St. Louis. He arrives at his office at 1 a.m. and he doesn't leave till 5 p.m. when everybody else leaves. He's done this for 20 years. He'd been keeping this schedule every day, every night. He says this, most people are just not as committed to their jobs as he is. He's right about that, right? I mean, unbelievable. I don't, I don't, I don't think, I think he's dead now, but, um, but he did it for 20 years. Now, this profound devotion to work is really kind of a new phenomenon. And then came the economic collapse of 2008. And now many of us find ourselves in a situation where we're upside down and we're having to work two jobs, three jobs, just to meet and meet. And we're working harder and longer and we're sleeping less. We are this fast-paced generation, but I'm getting the feeling that we are becoming the tired, emotionally exhausted generation. Matter of fact, if I was to use um, two words or to use some words to describe the, the people that I talk with and counsel with and encourage, it would be the words emotionally tired. I've never seen a culture, people today, where we're just emotionally tired. We're just, we're tired. We're tired. Evidence of fatigue abounds in a multiple a multitude of articles about health problems related to overwork with exhaustion. You know, we just, we, we can read about it. It's in the news all the time. And, and get this, I, 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 please, please really pay attention here because there's this dichotomy that I, I really want you to walk away with with your arms around it. What's so strange about this, this general fatigue as a people is the fact that we have become, in the last couple of decades, such a leisure-oriented society. We actually have a, a leisure industry that is among the most profitable in our economy. We have whole companies, retail chain stores, organizations. We have amusement parks everywhere to provide goods and services to help us to be amused, to help us to enjoy ourselves, to help us to laugh, to help us to relax. We have more and more funds and good times, but we are more stressed and burned out and emotionally exhausted than we ever have been before. And we, we live in the city of Palm Beach Gardens, one of the leading leisure cities of the world. It's the golf capital of the world. 
So I'm sure all of you that live here in Palm Beach Gardens, uh, you're not run down, right? I mean, you're not stressed out, feeling tired. You live in Palm Beach Gardens, the leisure capital of the world. Unless you have a two-year-old or a teenager, you know. So this is my question this morning. Why are we burned out, stressed out, fatigued generation with all our leisure, with all our recreation, with all our amusement parks? Why? Does it make sense? Number two is this. Why can't we seem to get our handle or get a handle on our workaholism? Why do we keep going and working more and more and more and more and more? See, I believe that we're not honoring God as God. I believe the answer is found that we're not honoring God's day, the fourth commandment. Now, as we've been seeing over the last couple of weeks, that that God, and it's so important for us to see this because people have a cloudy misunderstanding about who God is and what God is like. And we've been seeing over and over again that God gave us these Ten Commandments for our good, right? Remember last week I told the story about my son, Philip. He's down here on the second row. And I showed a picture when he's a two-year-old. And when he was a two-year-old, he had this obsession with his mother's curling iron. I don't know why to this day he always wanted to touch that thing. And so we would say to Philip, Philip, thou shalt not touch your mother's curling iron. Now, were we saying that to punish him or to protect him? To protect him. Were we saying that to harm him or to help him? To help him. Were we saying that to to minimize his fun or to maximize his fun? To maximize his fun. Those things are hot. My wife used to have burn marks on her hand all the time, you know. Um, And it's the same thing with the Ten Commandments. We need to understand that God gives us these commands, these laws to live by, to help us, to protect us, to maximize our fun. So today, if you've got a Bible, look with me over to Exodus 20. In Exodus chapter 20 here, Moses is giving us God's new rules for this new nation. They've just left Egypt about three months ago. And God's giving here some directives for all nations. Now, this passage is a little long this morning. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to read it. And when we come to the highlighted parts, you can uh, just add that in as we do that, okay? So let's stand in honor of God's law, in honor of God's Ten Commandments here. Let's stand. I'm going to read it. And then if you'll just add in the highlighted words. We're on the same page? Okay, God says this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do, I I didn't hear everybody on that one. Let's say it one more time. You ready? Let me find my place again here. On it you shall not do, Any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourners, foreigners, who is within your gates. For in the six days, 
The Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Now, when you read that, you see that. Some of you right now, you might be thinking, you know, what's the big deal here? Why is God all concerned about us taking a day off every six days? I mean, you know, I thought the Ten Commandments were like for the, the really big sins, like, you know, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, you know, thou shalt not work a little bit on Sunday. I mean, is it like up there with the, the really big sins? Yeah, it's in the Ten Commandments. You see, as we keep seeing every week, God cares about us deeply. God loves us. And he has our best interest at heart. That's why he's so concerned about us taking one day off. He cares. He loves us. He wants to be in relationship with us, and he wants us to have good relationships with each other. So he says, keep the Sabbath holy. Honor my day. So I'd like to share this with you this morning. Three reasons why this command is so important for us today. I mean, I really believe this command is even more important for us today than it was back then. And this command was written, remember, this part of the Bible was written 3,500 years ago. You know, when you want to question or doubt the reliability of the Bible, you read something that was given back then, and it's so brilliant for us today. And you just, you have to say, God's the author. So God says this, keep the Sabbath, keep it holy. Three reasons why this command is so important. Number one is this, to remind us that there's more to life than labor. Can you say that with me? To remind us that there's more to life than labor. There's more to life than just working all the time and then dying. And you know, it really is ironic when you think about it. Our loving Heavenly Father has designed this thing called human labor, work, and you can read about it in the Garden of Eden. It was given to us for our good, for our enjoyment. He offers it to men and women as a gift, a gift that enables us to feel purposeful and useful, a gift that challenges us and, and grows us, us and, and develops and stretches our, our abilities, our character. However, with many good gifts, we seem to find a way to turn God's good gifts into bad gifts. And throughout the course of human history, countless numbers of men and women have done just that. Multitudes of human beings have reduced the broad horizons of human realities to one very narrow dimension called work. And their work, their job, their careers become their God. And they begin to order their lives around their work. They begin to order their relationships around their work. And in the process, they harm their children. They damage 
their marriage. They destroy good friendships because of their work. They harm their bodies and their health because of their work. And more often than you would care to think, they lose their souls for all eternity because of their work. God gets squeezed out of their consciousness due to the all-consuming nature of their job. And I believe God is weeping. God is weeping in heaven over Christians and non-Christians alike who have taken God's good gift, God's good gift of, of human labor, and have allowed it to consume their lives to their neglect of their relationship with him and to the neglect of their relationship to those they love the most. You see, we need to be reminded every six days that there's more to life than labor. We need to be reminded to keep the Sabbath day holy before this all-consuming nature of our work destroys our life. Now, the, the Hebrew word is uh, actually literally means, it's, it's for, for Sabbath, means rest. The Sabbath day is not a day of leisure, which that's what we've turned into in our American culture. It's supposed to be a day of rest. God wants you to rest from work every six days. And Jesus kind of re, uh, reconfirms the purpose of this fourth commandment in Mark 2, 27. Jesus said this, the Sabbath was made for who? Man. Now, what does Jesus mean by that? The Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made for what? For our good. God designed this and did all this because God has our, our good at heart. It's made for our enjoyment. It's made for our good. Not man for the Sabbath. You see, the religious leaders and teachers of Jesus' day, the Pharisees, they were getting all confused. They had so many rules and regulations about the Sabbath and how to worship and what you do that it became a burden. It wasn't for man's enjoyment and benefit. It was doing more harm than good. And so Jesus goes back to the purpose and the heart of God, which God's heart is always for our best and for our good. And he says the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. You see, we need to be reminded that there's more to life than labor. God made the Sabbath day as his prevention from burnout. From burnout. Every six days, once a week, we need to remember that there's more to life than labor. Now, the question I'm often asked is, well, what day is the Sabbath? What day of the week should be devoted to rest and worship? You know, what's the Sabbath day? Now, probably most of us know that the, um, uh, the Muslims, uh, their day of worship is Friday. And the Jews worship on Saturday, which is the Sabbath. It's the seventh day. And Christians, we worship on, it, it's Sunday, by the way, okay? Um, um, and why do we worship on Sunday in honor of what? Honor of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the day Christ came back to life. And so this young new Christian community, the book of Acts, they began to gather for worship on Sunday. So what day should we worship? What's the right day to worship? 
Well, the Apostle Paul answers that question in Romans 14. He says this. This is very interesting. He says, some think one day is, is more holier than the other day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. You get what's going on here? Paul's saying, it really doesn't matter what day it is. You need to decide what day is most acceptable for you. And then he tells us, which is so important, what we're supposed to do on that day. The last part there says, those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to what? To honor him. To honor God as God. To honor God's day. We do it to honor Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he's made for us. See, the point here is the day really doesn't matter. The day we choose to worship isn't the issue. The issue is God has established a command. God has established an eternal principle. God has established a law to live by. Human beings need to consistently, one day a week, they need to rest and worship. We need to remember our Sabbath as a day of rest and worship. And we need to, it says, Keep it holy. Now, the word holy comes from the Greek word hagios, and it means to separate, to separate apart, to, to be different, to be unique from the rest. It needs to be a, a holy day. It needs to be a unique day from all the other days in our life. God wants us to consistently set apart one day and make it unique from the rest. To be reminded that there's so much more to life than labor. Now, I need to be honest and admit that human labor can offer some intoxicating forms of remuneration for its workers, such as recognition, esteem. It helps prop up our ego with titles like Dr. Ray or lead pastor clout, prestige. It gives us authority over others, makes us feel important, powerful. If we're honest, our jobs really give us a, a great sense of security, don't they? They bring a lot of pleasure in our life. They give us the ability to buy things and wear things and go places. It, it makes us feel good and look good, and we're really into looking good here in South Florida. It helps kind of gives us a sense of, of community, like that we're really living for something bigger than ourselves and our job, that we're making a difference in this world, that we're, we're a part of a team. And I was talking to someone that's uh, no longer working here, and, and uh, they shared how the thing they miss the most is that sense of camaraderie. Um, they're retired of, of being a part of the team. And human labor helps give that to us. It's a great feeling. I love cheering for the heat. I love sports. And the, one of the most beautiful things about sports is that sense of camaraderie. You're working on something together as a team. And the heat will win tonight. Human labor can offer some intoxicating forms of remuneration that will keep a good number of us motivated well past closing time. It will keep a good number of us working seven days a week. And before you know it, 
The only thing that really matters in your life is that paycheck. The only thing that really matters in your life is your job and the money you're making. And pretty soon you begin to think that's what's important. And you see God being the good God that he is. He desires to keep us from this destructive trap of becoming a workaholic. He desires to keep us from only destroying our, our one and only life and destroying the lives of the children and those around us. And because of that, he commands us to close the shop, to close your computer, to close your briefcase, and make it a priority one day a week to really rest and to worship and I find it very interesting that during the French Revolution, and no offense to some of you that might be French, but the French tried to abolish everything that had to do with religion. And one of the things they cut out was the observance of Sunday as a day of worship. And a matter of time, they had to reinstate Sunday because of the health of the French people. Their words collapsed. It was destroying the nation. So God, in his divine wisdom and love for us, he commands us to stop working and to remember there is more to life than human labor. This is a law to live by. A second reason why God gives us this command to stop working one day, all day, is to remember who God is. You see, Sunday needs to be more than just a holiday because that's what it's become in America, in our American culture. It's a holiday and not a holy day. It's not just a day to, to drink Miller Lite, you know, and, and watch TV and enjoy a great game or NASCAR, which I'm all for that. But it's primarily a day to remember who God is. Each Sabbath day, is to be a holy day. And what does the word holy mean? You remember that? Hagios, it means to what? It's a unique day. It's a different day. It's set apart from all other days in which we connect with our creator. Now, because I, I, I work on Sunday, I, I hope you've noticed that. Um, you know, and, and I love my job. I'm passionate. I love working. And, and I, I, I'm passionate about being here on Sunday, and I enjoy what I do, but it, it, it's work. And I always enjoy Sunday the most when I'm not speaking, um, because there is a great sense of responsibility to, to be speaking and for God. It's an awesome uh, responsibility. It's an awesome opportunity, and it's an awesome responsibility. So it's work. And you might think I'm just having fun, and I like to have fun, but it's work. So my Sabbath day isn't Sunday like probably most of yours. My Sabbath day is pretty consistently Saturday. I work six days a week, and I take Saturday off, and I try to make that day unique from all the other days. And on Saturday, I sleep in. Now, sleeping in to me means rather than getting up at 5, I get up at 7, okay? And yesterday, I made it to 7.30, and that's a real record. That's, I wish I could sleep a little longer, uh, to be honest. And I get up, and, and that day, I, I take my Bible, I get by myself to a quiet place, and I have an extended time, an hour, hour and a half, of just really reading the scriptures and meditating and praying and praying for Sunday, praying for you and praying for our church. 
And then after that, I, I usually spend some time and I go out. I have, we have, I, I, my house is connected to this uh, preserve. Um, and I go out into these woods and I walk and I walk an hour. Yesterday, we walked for about two hours. And often I'm by myself. Sometimes my daughter, my wife occasionally will come with me. Um, and I just go out into these woods and I just see God. And I just worship and thank him for this incredible world in which we live. And, um, and I sing. Now, I was, when I was a little tyke, you know, you know, remember two weeks ago at Mother's Day, we had these little kids in here singing. I was the kid in which the teacher would say to me, literally, they would say, Raymond, you need to sing in a soft voice. <laughs> you need to sing in a soft voice, in a quiet voice. But when I'm in the woods, I can sing in a loud voice. And no one hears me but the alligators, and that's a good thing. So they kind of get out of the way, you know. They know I'm coming. And then usually after I do that, I come back, and I usually do something that refreshes me, like watching NASCAR, you know, um, something really good for the soul. Um, and and I, every Saturday, I usually love cooking on my, my little Weber charcoal grill. I love getting that thing out and, and cooking dinner and cooking something, and, and it just it refreshes me. It's my, my Sabbath, and, and sometimes because of my job, you know, um, I've got to work on Saturday, and there's a need, and, and, and then I work on Saturday, then I try to do that during the week, and I usually pick a morning, in which I do that in the morning, and I, and I try to go through that, that ritual of, of honoring God and honoring God's day because I know God has my best at heart, and he knows I need to do it. See, it's not about me, you know. It's not about him. It's about me. And God commands us. This isn't a suggestion. God commands us. Those of us who are Christians, now, some of you here, if you're not a Christian, you got to pass on this one. And, and you might decide today you don't want to become a Christian. And that, that's all right. You know, that's your decision. Because if, you, if we call ourselves followers of Christ, we're commanded to gather together on the Lord's day and to worship. Hebrews 10 says this, and let us not, what's the word? neglect our meeting together. Paul's saying here, man, don't neglect our worship time. Don't neglect coming together as a church family. As some people do, now don't look at those that do, as some people do, encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And throughout history, God's people have kept the fourth commandment by coming together on Sunday to remember and to refocus on who God is. And the purpose of coming together is to kind of recalibrate our hearts on God and then to encourage each other. Did you, did you get that? You're coming to church on Sunday not just for you. You think, you know, I can miss this Sunday. You can't miss this Sunday. It's not just for you. It's for others. God wants to bring you here to be an encouragement to somebody else. And it's amazing how people come in every Sunday, and they've been beat up. Life's been tough. Someone's walked out of their life, and they're coming here, and they need your smile. They need your words of encouragement. They need you to strengthen them. You see, somehow we got this idea that God's got this ego and he just wants us to come just for him. And that's not the case. God wants us to come for us. God wants us to come for the people around you that you will strengthen and encourage them. Now, do you ever come to church and then regret that you came? 
Anybody brave enough to raise their hand? I guess that's an unfair question, huh? You know? Uh, but, but honestly and truthfully, I, I have people tell me all the time, and I'm not exaggerating here, all the time they'll, they'll come up to me after the service and they say, man, you know, I wasn't going to be able to come this Sunday. I had so much work to do, or, and, I, and I was just going to have to work, or I have a bar exam I'm studying for, or I got this going on, or I've got company down. I wasn't going to come. I just, I just couldn't come. But I came. And I am so glad that I came. How did you know what to say? Are you reading my email? Is my spouse talking? Honestly, I've been accused so many times of talking to people's spouses, and I've never talked with them. That's just God. When you stop and you put your focus on God, it just does something to you. It anchors you. It centers you. I got a letter from someone that said, you know, it was a guy. He said, man, I've never been one to ever go to church. Must let's go to church consistently. But when I leave, and these are his words, I've got to, he says, I say to myself, I got to wait another seven days to do this again? I mean, when you sense and feel God's presence and God's power in corporate worship, that just doesn't happen on the golf course. That doesn't happen at the beach. God just ambushes us and we, and we sense and we feel his love and his grace and his goodness and his forgiveness. You see, during the week, it, it's just too easy to kind of lose our focus in life. It's kind of it's too easy to kind of lose our purpose in life. But Sunday, we come back together to remember who God is and it all becomes clear again. You see, there is in me and, and there is in you this, this proneness to wonder. To proneness to wonder from the course. To forget who God is. A proneness to forget why we're on this planet. And who we're supposed to be pleasing. As the hymn writer, Robert Robinson said. Can you read it with me? Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. God knows our proneness. So he gives us a law to live by. He says every seven days, close the shop, close your briefcase, turn off your computer, collectively come together and remember who I am and worship me. Remember that I love you. Remember that you have a purpose in your life. And I want to help you accomplish your purpose. Honor God as God by keeping his day. A third reason why we need to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy is not only to be be reminded that there's more to life than labor, it's not only to remember who God is, but number three, this is so important, and please don't miss this, it's to refresh ourselves. To refresh ourselves. Exodus 20:11 says, "For in 6 days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them." I'm a scuba diver, I'm telling you, there's so much down there. It is incredible. And everything, man, this God is working hard, okay? But on the 7th day he did what? He rested. So let me ask you a question. Don't holler out the answer. Just just think about it. This is a very difficult question. According to this verse then, does God need to rest? 
I mean, he rested. And if you read in the context, he was refreshed by, by resting. Does, does God need to rest? Some of you are thinking, well, I thought God is omnipotent. What does omnipotent mean? All-powerful. So if, if God is omnipotent, if God is all-powerful, then he never runs out of power. So did God need to rest? The answer is no, because he is God. Did God choose to rest? The answer is yes. Why? Because God subjected creation to the rhythm of work and rest and work and rest that he revealed by observing that rhythm himself. I mean, God is just, he's brilliant. That's why he's God. I mean, he really has this thing figured out. We just got to kind of get on the path and follow him. And you see this rhythm in life. You see this in the earth. You see this in farming. How you work the land and then you rest the land. Or you get nutrients back into the land so it will be fruitful again. God has established this universe to work on this principle of work and rest. And he honored it. He observed it to teach us the importance of rest. Now, if God needed to rest, don't you think you and I need rest? And if God was refreshed by resting, don't you think you and I will be refreshed by resting? See, we need to refresh ourselves physically by resting our bodies. Energy and efficient experts have, have proven that work breaks Increase productivity. I know some of you bosses don't believe that. It's a proven fact. You take a, a restful vacation, not a stressful vacation. Most of us, we take what kind of vacations? A stressful vacation. <laughs> but if you take a restful vacation, what happens? Man, you can't wait to go back to work because you've been rested up. And God says, every Sunday, you need to refresh yourself physically. One day a week, don't open your briefcase, turn off your laptop, your iPad, and don't do work emails, and rest. Rest from work. Psalms 127.2, let's, let's read this together. We probably need to put this to memory, some of us that have a tendency to work too much. It says, let's read it together, you ready? God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. There you have it, a biblical basis for a Sunday afternoon nap. <laughs> My wife calls it a power nap, you know, and it's amazing. Like, she's just dead. She'll lay down for 10 or 15 minutes and like, wow, you know, rest does the body good. Some of us are going and going and going, and Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man. Stop your going, stop your thriving, stop your striving. God created the Sabbath for our good, for our enjoyment. So do something on Sunday, your Sabbath day, probably primarily most of your Sabbath day. Do something physical that refreshes your body. Could be a nap, could be a brace walk. For some of you, it might be insanity, and you're the insane ones. Uh, but somehow that refreshes some people, all right? But refresh ourselves physically. And then we need to refresh ourselves emotionally by recharging our emotions. Stress. Stress, constant stress, 
drains us emotionally. It produces what's called chronic fatigue. It wears us down emotionally and physically. It wears down our immune system. And we need to recharge our emotions. Now, how do you do that? God says, be still and know that I am God. You see, our weekends get too busy. We pack so much in that we have no quiet time. We have no still time for ourselves. And we don't recharge our emotions. We need to be reminded of that uh, jungle uh, safari guide in, in the Congo in Africa. A bunch of Americans went over there to, to walk through and travel through the, uh, the Congo. And, and they're working and going and having a blast and getting pictures. And they've done this sixth day. On the seventh day, they get up and they, they come to the guide. They, they're all packed up. They come to the guide. He's not ready to go. And they say, let's go. And the guide says to them, oh, no. Seven days we will, on the seventh day, we will rest today to let our souls catch up with our body. Even over in Africa, they've learned this principle. Physically, you might have the stanima uh, to keep going, but emotionally, you need to let your soul catch up to your body. So we need to refresh ourselves physically. We need to refresh ourselves emotionally. But please don't miss this. This is so important. We need to refresh ourselves spiritually by refocusing our spirit. David said, let's read it together, can we? I was glad. That means out loud, okay? I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I hope you're glad to be here. I was glad. Now, maybe this, some of you maybe need to tell your face that you're, that you're glad to be here. He said, I was glad. I hope coming to church isn't a duty, but it's a joy. And we work really hard to make it a joyful time. I am so grateful for John, who is on vacation today, and the incredible job he does with our worship team, and, and for Adam and Canaan, and, and, and working so hard to lead us into worship. And we work really hard to make our services something that encourages you and refreshes you and challenges you spiritually. We need to be careful not to turn Sunday into a holiday instead of a holy day where going to the beach becomes more important than worship, where golf becomes more important than God. Now, I'm not saying, please hear me, I'm not saying it's wrong to go to the beach on Sunday. I'm not saying it's wrong to golf on Sunday. Absolutely not. But what I am saying is that you should honor God as God. You should honor God's day by making worshiping him your first priority. That needs to be your first priority. You need to be working your schedule around worshiping God collectively as a church family. And I truly believe that if you do that, you will be refreshed. You will be invigorated. You will not only be refreshing your body and your soul, you will be refreshing your, 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 your spirit. Because you're remembering the Sabbath day and you're keeping it holy. You're making it unique. 
from all the other days. Another very wise designer, builder. Um, I used to own a Harley-Davidson motorcycle. Harley-Davidson's are phenomenal motorcycles, right? You all agree with that, of course. And when I had my Harley-Davidson motorcycle, I, you had what's called an owner's manual. And in the owner's manual, it says this, proper maintenance equals, what's the words? Maximum performance. Hey, if you're like me, man, you want maximum performance. I mean, you want all the power you can get. That's why you got a Harley, you know? Now, how many of you agree with that statement? Can I see your hands? Now, if you're still listening, everybody should have your hand up, by the way. Okay. Maximum proper maintenance equals maximum performance. If you want maximum performance then you need to rest your body, you need to recharge your emotions, and you need to refocus your spirit. You need to worship God. And then you're going to be ready for maximum performance. Because God has orchestrated this, this world to live on some principles, some laws to live by. And one of those laws to live by is to honor God's day. Honor God's day. And you'll live a better life. Can we pray? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'd like to go back to those, some of those questions I asked you at the very beginning. I'd like you to think through them. And just, if you would, have a conversation with God right now. Are you using Sunday to catch up on your work? Maybe this morning you need to say, God, I, I need to stop that. It's wrong. I haven't been honoring your day. It's just so easy to check my email. God, I want to stop doing that. Do you feel more tired on Monday than you do on Friday? You're just so busy on the weekend that you're not worshiping, you're not connecting. Say, God, I, I want to honor you. I want to honor your day. Are you a workaholic? Do you feel guilty when you relax? To feel like you got to just go all the time. Say, God, help me to quit getting my significance in what I'm doing. Help me to find my significance in you. Some of us this morning, if we're honest, we're tired. We're emotionally exhausted. We're tired of being tired. And this is what Jesus wants to say to you this morning. Jesus wants to say, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. God, I thank you that there is so much more to life than labor. God, I thank you for this incredible gift that you've given us. Help us not to abuse it. God, help us not to become driven 
by success and accomplishment in the neglect of our health, to the neglect of our spouses and our children. God, help us to learn to live by this law. Help us to keep the Sabbath and to make it holy. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen.